the latest in agricultural media and some smart conversation. This is the Ag Communicators Network podcast, and here's your host, Kelsey Litchfield. Welcome, everyone, to the eighth episode. We're climbing right up there of the AgCom Network podcast. I'm Kelsey Litchfield, hosting the podcast today, and I'm so excited on this fall day to bring you a topic that's been talked about every season of the year, but especially during this fall season. Um, we're going to ta- be talking about the Farm Bill and how one journalist covers that very complex topic. But before we get to um, the subject of today's episode, Holly, welcome again back to the AgCom Network podcast. How are you doing? Hey, Kelsey. I'm good. I'm good. It's a nice day to do this. Where I'm from in Illinois, it's a cold day, but we've been long anticipating this cold day. Yes. I'm okay with it. (laughs) You can break out all the fall things now. Yes. And our special guest today, Jackie, thank you so much for hopping on on the Facebook Live with us. Thanks for having me. So Jackie, if you want to go ahead before we start talking about the Farm Bill and how you cover um, such a complex topic, go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know who you are and how maybe your interest in agriculture started. Um, Well, my name is Jackie Fatka and um, I was actually born and raised on a farm in Iowa. Um, My dad and brother still farm near Atlantic, which I like to say is halfway between Omaha and Des Moines. Um, (laughs) And grew up having... Uh, livestock. We had hogs. We had cow-calf. Um, and then my dad had a grain operation as well. And so I, I grew up having a love for agriculture. I actually joke around. I, I earned my boots in agriculture one very, very wet spring helping with the cow-calf operation. And my boots kept getting stuck in the mud. And so my dad finally bought me a pair of boots that fit me because if you're the I was um, the third of four children. And so I wore a lot of big boots because that's what was around. And so I loved being on the farm. I loved just just the hard work and the ethic that comes with farmers. And uh, yeah, so I went to Iowa State. Um, I graduated in 2003 with an ag journalism focus. I was a journalism degree with an ag education studies minor, actually. And so I, I wanted to stay involved in agriculture and tell the story of agriculture and have been blessed that ever since really before I graduated, I was able to do that, that special segment of this country and and talking to farmers and and working with them. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, you said Iowa State, and then I realized your sandwich between two Illini. (laughs) Now now I live in central Ohio, so I'm actually in Buckeye country, which um, my my children, uh, I have proudly raised them as cyclones, so I suppose... (laughs) I will always be a big 12 girl. And so, you know, you're just big 10. I mean, you're just Illinois, so it's okay. <laughs> well, for being honest, there's more than 10 in the big 10. So it's true. <laughs> well, and the big 12 doesn't even have 12. So, I mean, it's, it's a mess. <laughs> yeah, kind of Nothing mess. makes any sense anymore. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Well, it sounds like your story is one that I've heard a lot from different people. They're wanting to tell ag story and, that comes in all shapes and sizes, and everyone has a different story on their path into ag communications. So talk specifically about your journalism route and how your journey started to where you are now. So I had a really great uh, journalism teacher in high school 
And uh, and it's actually, I always look back, I was on a, I, I opened and rolled to a larger school. A larger school is in 150 kids instead of 30 kids. Mm-hmm. And I did that in seventh grade. And I would say it's probably the most, one of the most impactful decisions because there was no journalism program at the little school and there was at the big school. So as I look back at, you know, how I got where I was, that was really a instrumental change and in, in being have that opportunity. So when I went to college, I wanted to do journalism. I thought I wanted to do ag journalism. And so I worked at the local newspaper. I covered the ag beat. I worked at the Iowa State Daily. Um, and then that first summer, I came back to the local newspaper in, in my hometown and I helped cover ag for that because we had a real strong farming community. And so a lot of my job opportunities too came about because I wanted the job. Um, it wasn't that the job was open. I went to my local newspaper and said, I'm gonna be in town this summer. I would love to add to my portfolio and work for you. And, and they paid me a little bit, but not a lot. Um, but I, I had another job and so it didn't really matter. It was about building experience and building your portfolio. Um, and then the second summer after col- um, in college, I went to Wallace's Farmer, which is part of Farm Progress Company today and, and work with a lot of the many people that I work with today. And I approached the editor again and I said, I've always loved reading Wallace's Farmer magazine. I know that you don't have anything, pub- you know, you don't, you're not publicizing an internship, but I'd love to work for you. And they were able to, I think I got like $500 a month or something, but the experience that I gained there and really the relationships that I was able to build there were monumental. They were really impactful for my future career and who I would work with. And so, and then on campus, I I did a lot of PR work. I worked with some biofuels industry and I, and I always tried to see if class projects could incorporate into bigger opportunities to grow into something else. And so I did several, I, I worked on a couple different projects that ended up building those relationships and, and experiences. And then my last summer, I worked out in D.C., which is probably why I cover policy today. It was actually the Iowa Pork Producers Association. They have a, a legislative intern who spends half the summer out in D.C. and then half the summer at their site there in Des Moines. And so it was overall looking back, I really wanted to give myself a diverse experience space. I worked at a local newspaper, I worked in a magazine, and I did PR, and I you know, worked in Capitol Hill. And so each of those helped kind of shape what I knew I liked to do, what I didn't want to do. You know, I loved, I loved so many things about DC, but I also knew that um, it's, it's live, eat, and breathe out there. And so I, I really loved being able to have that farmer focus. And so I really love um, working for the, the ag industry and that capacity. Definitely. One of the things I caught from that was you went and asked for it. You didn't just (laughs) sit around and just say, oh, I'm just going to wait for an opportunity to come by me. And I think that's great advice for anyone that's watching. That's like, well, I really like that job and what they do and things. Well, go ask about it. Put yourself out there a little bit. You're not going to get anything from just sitting around. One of those times when I was at Wallace's, actually, it was right when foot and mouth disease was really heavy over in Europe. And I had actually just taken a study abroad trip over there. So when I came back, I, I'm thinking, well, why don't we have a website on FMD and symptoms to look for and all these things? And so I taking that initiative and seeing where there's opportunities to really say, well, we needed to be doing this and let's look at this. And and really two years later when I had graduated, 
one of the executive editors at that time was who hired me. And he said that was one of the reasons is he knew that I, I had initiative and I wasn't just going to sit and wait for things. So I always encourage, um, you know, young, young journalists to, to, you know, look, look further than just what's right ahead of you. And, and that's too, you know, when I was looking at my career, I, I wanted to have different experiences so that when I went out there, I wasn't so um, focused on one thing. I really loved magazines, but I know too from working with PR what it takes to, you know, what I'm looking for as a writer. And so that helped me too as I'm working um, where I am today too, just knowing what's coming from the PR and what their goal is and, and how they operate, you know to write press releases for the senator I worked for. So when I get a release from a senator, I'm thinking, hmm, this isn't really the senator saying this. Um, and, and so it gives you just kind of that inside perspective of how things really work too. Right, sure. Well, let's transition a bit into um, how you cover the farm bill. How did you begin to cover this topic? I, you know, when I was out in DC, I really, kind of fell in love with policy. And I think for, for those in agriculture, policy can be so impacting to their business, but yet so confusing. And you know, the last farm bill was nearly a thousand pages or more. And there's so many nuances of the farm bill. And so really one of the reasons why I like to write about ag policy, I don't just write about the farm bill. I write about trade and regulations and WOTUS and all, all things policy. And my real goal is trying to simplify it in a way that farmers can understand it, that they can they can look at it and think, okay, what do I need to know and why is this important to me? Um, and so when I started covering, you know, because I was in DC, I understood how the legislative process worked and I was able to really cultivate stories because of my understanding of being there. And I had a passion for it too. And so that's kind of how I started doing that. Um, I started my job now in 2003, but I interned in 2002. So that was when that farm bill was kind of getting worked on, finalized. And then, you know, the 2008, every farm bill has its own nuances, situations that, that create, you know, one year we had a lot of money, so they pushed it ahead. It didn't actually get extended. You know, now the last farm bill, it was extended was a whole, you know, 2013, 2014. It was a multi-year process and it looks like the same for this one. Um, and so it's been almost two decades that I've been covering the, you know, the farm bill and everyone has its differences and it's changed. The dynamics have changed over the years of the parties who are interested, the voices who were speaking out about it, who wants what, the priorities, mm -hmm. the, the overall landscape of what is needed from a farm safety net. Mm -hmm. Holly, do you Jackie? have any? Yeah, I was just thinking, Jackie, I know, you know, when you and I have talked about the Farm Bill, I'm always amazed the people that you know and the contacts that you hear and there and, and obviously cultivated over 20 years of covering Farm Bills and, and all those um, key politicians and, and key government people. How did you cultivate those relationships to start with? You know, part of it is just, you know, it's easy to get on a press distribution list and so there's always... And a lot of times on Capitol Hill, there's a lot of turnover of who is a press secretary and who is sure. there. So especially with administrations, too. Um, and so I've just tried to be really proactive. Actually, you know, for the Trump administration, when there was a transition of the USDA staff, there's there's career staff that are always around. And then you've got the ones who come around when the new political folks come in. And so I try to have really just good outreach with those career staff and 
And then I try to get out to DC a couple times a year to, to see people face to face. I don't actually live in DC. And so covering some of this stuff is a little bit more challenging because I'm not just always in the hall of Capitol Hill. And right. so for me, I've just tried to really, when I do get out there, meet with the people who I can meet with. I do go to a meeting, which is another, um, the North American Ag Journalists have a meeting in April every year. And um, actually they do a press conference that that hosts each of the top um, Democrats and, and from the Senate and the House of all the four, your, your big four of your Senate um, Ag Committee chairman and ranking members. And so the 30 minutes press conference with each of those is a great opportunity too, because I'm, I'm in front of that um, senator or um, representative and their, their staff. And just, just being there has been really helpful to, and I know now too, I can pick up the phone anytime I see a report and just say, hey, I saw this. Can you confirm? Can you deny? And so I've kind of built up that rapport with the press secretaries, or I can just email them. And I've, I've especially the last couple of years as I've covered this more, uh, you know, for a little bit, I was just covering policy and some other things. And now I'm just solely policy. And so I've just had enough time to really hone in on those relationships with the staff out there. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Jackie, I was just thinking too, how last year, that would have been 2017 at the Farm Progress Show. Of course, the House Ag Committee was doing all the listening sessions all over the state and had the big one at the Farm Progress Show. And and we sat there together and heard them say over and over and over and over again, check crop insurance, yeah. <laughs> which was sort of the take home <laughs> from that one. Um, in your years of covering all this, you know, were, were those listening sessions different, you know, than in other farm bills past? Or, or was that a fairly fairly typical um, ramp up to this farm bill? You know, I think over the last decade, crop insurance has become more important. Um, and especially as we've gotten away from direct payments. And so I think that that cry has gotten louder. But you know, the last farm bill, there were a lot of attempts. And I think part of it is the attempts are getting closer to passing to change mm -hmm. insurance. And so I think from a farmer perspective, they know that they can't take it for granted. And that's one of, really one of the most important things to a lot of farmers being able to manage the risk that they manage today. I think most farmers would say, I don't really want a check in the mail. So as we've gotten away from direct payments, that's made more sense. But they do want to have a, an ability to, to buy crop insurance at a level that, that offers them some assurance. And really, from a banking standpoint, it's become so important to uh, just having that peace of mind when they're talking to their, their bankers and when they're doing that as well. Yeah. So I don't know. I think there's always issues that are always there just gotten louder, I think, because it's it's really on the brink of we could lose it or we could see some significant changes to it. For sure. Uh, Jackie, one of the things I'd like to ask in terms of maybe just covering ad policy in general is how do you maintain your credibility as a journalist? You mentioned earlier that you'll call up press secretaries and establish a good relationship with them. Can you expand on that? You know, I read, there's some different things that I kind of try to read, um, just just snippets of clips from different newspapers or some outlets, but I'm also very careful about what I listen to. I don't watch Fox News. I don't watch CNN. I don't, because really some of that stuff is so 
one-sided. So I try really careful to make sure that I'm not listening to a lot of those because really as a policy writer, I never want someone to read my thing and think, well, you believe this. Now, there are some opportunities where I might, but I would say I'm more critical of the process um, instead of the politics. And I always say I'm a policy editor. I like policy, not politics. And so um, I actually don't enjoy the lack of accomplishment sometimes from Congress because I, I really feel like farmers and everybody wants to see things get accomplished and not just see bickering back and forth. And so I, I'm very careful about who I listen to, what I read. And like I said, you know, if I see that there was a letter or that the senators had this concern about things, I will either send an email or pick up the phone and say, hey, can you confirm this? Can you give me a quote about this? Can you give me something? So I'm not just saying, well, it's being reported or that uh, so I, I really try to make sure that I take that extra step and I'm not just regurgitating something or putting out propaganda in some ways. And this administration, I mean, I haven't had it near as much on the ag side, but it's a, I mean, every administration too is very particular about how they offer information and how much information. And, you know, I see that sometimes with the different press secretaries, you know, and, and so that, that goes back to the relationship too, as I see them and meet with them more and, and they trust me more too, because they know that the stories that I'm going to write are trust uh, on truth and um, they respect that too. And so it's a two way street as I'm providing them truthful information um, and, and the stories that I'm right, they're also making sure that I can offer that truthful information because they usually do wanna make sure that the truth is revealed too. Jackie, how do you feel about policy reporting and Twitter? Hmm, good one. I think, you know, I have done like the last farm bill, um, a lot of the floor debate, like I will use a lot of Twitter to, to get out, you know, crop insurance amendment just failed. I will try to use Twitter for some of that and, and or sometimes in a hearing, I might tweet different important things that come out of that hearing, but that might make it into a story or they're just kind of interesting facts. Um, so sometimes I think Twitter offers the opportunity to kind of get some of those snippets out of information that don't always flow nicely into a story, but that's something that's of importance to, to producers. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, like I said, the farm, the last farm bill, I did a lot of uh, tweeting of different amendments that passed or didn't pass or things to watch. Um, same thing with hearings whether it was the markup of the farm bill or, uh, you know, there's a lot of hearings on Capitol Hill that I cover. Uh, and so sometimes just tweeting out some of those important things are, are just good to kind of get out that information that's not as easy to get out otherwise. Sure. And well, and I feel like you're pretty careful, like you don't share a lot of opinions about the policy, you just share the news. Yes. The policy. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's important because, you know, I would say, most of rural America probably leans a certain way, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that they, you know, and so much with news today, it is so slanted. So I feel like as those of us in the ag industry, we need to make sure that we continue to keep our balance and make sure that we're not just feeding into what everything else, because I think that sets us apart. It makes us not that media that gets bashed from from the president and from those in the administration. And, uh, you know, I think it, it also 
it helps, you know, when I'm working with the USDA staff, some of those young staffers that were part of his policy uh, political campaign who came on, you know, they had one view of um, of what media is. You know, when I sat down with them before they actually came into the official role at USDA, you know, I told them about my publication. I told them about what we do. And, you know, you could just see on their face, wow, you're not like the other newspapers because mm-hmm. Because as an ad communicator, we shouldn't be. We should hold ourselves to a different level, to a higher level of how we report. Sure. Wow, I would press the end button on the broadcast right now. You just basically oh, dropped the mic. <laughs> if I only drop. you had a mic to drop. <laughs> so I could drop my computer, but that, then we would, we would all be in trouble. Um, so can you provide us with any maybe Farm Bill updates? Or I know things are kind of just as the same as they've been, but what's your outlook for the rest of the fall? Hmm. Well, September 30th came, as I was just mentioning to Holly. Holly and I were at the uh, Farm Bureau meeting at the beginning of the year where President Trump stood up in front of all of those farmers and said, I promise an on-time farm bill. And that was one of the stories that I wrote from that saying, he promised an on-time farm bill. And let me tell you, I heard that promise from many people all year, and yet September 30th came in. The story I wrote on September 30th was, we have no farm bill. Um, because, you know, politics got in the way. There was, and that's really unfortunate, because it should be something that should be really easy. And honestly, there's no reason why they couldn't have planned ahead. Like, all of this kind of just positioning that happens sometimes, and, and really, they knew this way last spring, that they needed to have by X date to get it here. And, you know, what's really happening right now, there's a lot of going back and forth um, between the House and the Senate. They're working on some tweaks with the CBO. So that's sometimes some of the holdup. They have a compromise. They've got to send it to the Congressional Budget Office to get what the cost would be, um, because it's got to be within a certain baseline. And so you kind of have this weight game or, well, this compromise is going to be too expensive. Um, and so there's kind of a lot of back and forth. And that's where we're at. But I have to tell you, there's some recent comments that Representative Conway, Chairman Conway on the House side has said that he cannot have a bill that is going to have more Democrats support it than Republicans. Hmm. And just saying, I can't do that to my members. And on the Senate side, that's really kind of what they need is something that has Democrat and Republican support. And the Republicans in the Senate are more in line with the Democrats. And so if Conaway really decides to draw a very hard line in the sand and say, nope, I'm not going to bring something to the floor that my members cannot support, as in his Republican members. That means SNAP provisions, work requirements that are unacceptable really to the Senate or to House Democrats. So you take the bill. And because the problem is if we don't pass it before the end of the calendar year, it goes to next year and they start all over. They start from scratch. They don't really, without an extension, they wouldn't be able to, I mean, they've got to, they've just got to start from square one. And the midterm elections will make a big difference on it. If we see one of the chambers switch, then they might say, well, we'll just wait and play our cards and hope we get a better bill next year. So, yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, I I think we'll know more after November elections, which are only a few weeks away. Um, and like I said, if one of the chambers flip, then I would be more likely to see we'll probably wait until next year. Or maybe Conaway will say, all right, it's going to be worse next year. We'll try to get the best deal we can get 
here and now, and and maybe we'll do that. So yes, the, the promise of certainty um, is not certain because there's still a lot of uncertainty when it comes to the farm bill. Well, thanks for putting your work cat on for us. I know that was one of the sample questions, but I'm sure people like those straight answers. Just give it to me straight, what's happening, stuff like that. So thank you for including that. Jackie, as we get towards the end of our broadcast, one question I like to ask is the theme of our podcast, which people have heard me say over and over again, is you got to keep on learning. Whether you're my age, a 20-something-year-old starting out in their career, or whether you're a seasoned veteran, how do you keep learning in your own career of um, covering ag policy or just being an ag communicator in general? You know, I I work from home, and so sometimes it's really easy to just kind of get in the mindset of, you know, I'm here, and but, you know, a lot of times getting out to different events, different um, meetings, or like I said, I try to get out to D.C. One of the big meetings I always do is the Ag Outlook, um, and so I love to uh, meet new people, um, and, and I do a lot of reading of you know, a lot of reports and things like that. But sometimes you can dig into so much more than just the press release that comes out. And so, uh, you know, just from learning from different people, I try to expand my sources too. I try not to always talk to the same source on the farm, you know, on any of the policy stuff. I mean, there's some great ones that I love to talk to, but sometimes I really try to branch out and talk to new people. Or sometimes I'm at a meeting and I thought, and I think, oh, that guy's a great resource on that. And I'll, and I'll start to call that person more. And so sometimes learning is not always just having the same sources and the same people you turn to, but looking for new people or new voices. You know, with the Farm Bill, there's a lot more people that are speaking out from a conservation standpoint or from working lands, you know, within the conservation um, specialty crops. And so making sure that their voice is heard is important. So I try to make sure too, that I'm not just always talking to the same, same people reporting on the same people. Uh, I mean, obviously you always want to have certain voices heard, um, from the different commodity groups and, and things like that. But I try to make sure that I'm balancing that too. So just from learning. Um, I, I do learn a lot just going to different meetings and meeting people and making sure that I'm kind of expanding my my circle of who I'm talking to. Great advice. I, I would write a check right next to that. That's something I continually do. I love going to conferences, especially Ag Media Summit. Got <laughs> but like also going to conferences that you've never been to before and they're kind of maybe outside of your zone of genius maybe like for me going to something with ag policy would be kind of out of my realm but i would learn so much from it so i'm um, kind of putting yourself out there like you said earlier and then trying something new keeps kind of keeps you on your toes so jackie this has been great this half hour went by too quick and we covered a lot of good stuff and i hope the viewers get a lot of great stuff from this episode i know i have and i know they will as well but before we log off, could you just tell us where people could maybe find you, Twitter or any other social media platforms? Um, well, I do a lot of my writing for Farm Futures Magazine, which is farmfutures.com. Um, I have a blog there called DC Dialogue, and I, I update that weekly on different things that are going on. Um, and then I also write for Feedstuffs, and I do an Inside Washington column for that. And then I do a lot of policy writing. I mean, both of those I write two or three or four articles a day, depending on the day and how much 
stuff is going on. Um, and so I do a lot of, we do a lot of daily reporting on different policy stuff and movements. And so those are two places. They both have their own Twitter handles. I, I have my own uh, Twitter too, but I, I, I tweet most of my stuff out of um, farm futures or feed stuff. So that's probably the best way to, to reach, to uh, check out my stuff. And, and then we have print publications as well too. So both of those are, 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 are where I, where I can be found. Cool. Hey, Jackie, Holly, what's, your, what's your actual title there? Because I know we are all sort of sister publications within Farm Progress. And is your title, are you Ag Policy Editor? I just say Policy Editor because yeah. some of the stuff is not even, ag I mean, it's Ag, but mm -hmm. uh, about regulations and trade. I've just kind mm -hmm. of coined the term Policy Editor. So that's kind of what I go by now is Policy Editor. <laughs> I might, and I'm, farm policy, I might be farm policy editor. I technically in the in the farm futures magazine, but yeah, policy editor is usually sure. what I have on the bottom of my email. So sounds good. Good, awesome. Well, thank you, Jackie, so much for hopping on here with us. I'm so glad that Holly mentioned maybe doing this topic because it's very good timing, and maybe all season long it's been very good timing. Nonetheless, <laughs> but you just get done with it soon, yeah. right? Yeah, maybe we'll do an update next time. We'll just get to report on what it means. You know, once we find out that we spent two years of saying how this actually goes into effect, and then we start the whole process over again of writing a new one. It's a great cycle. It never ends. It goes on and on, my friends. Never ends. Make so fully employed that way, right, Jack? something happens, we'll have you back on. Holly, thank you so much for hopping on. I know it's harvest, busy time, and so thank you for hopping on as well. You bet. Thank you, guys. And for everyone that viewed, thank you for tuning in. And we'll talk to you next time on the AgCom Network podcast. This has been an Ag Communicators Network podcast. Thanks for listening. And please visit us online at agcomnetwork.com for more great content.